Hi, Witch Wavers. I have exciting news. At long last, we have some new Witch Wave merch available for you now through TeePublic. We decided to go with TeePublic for our new Witch Wave merch because it is a print-on-demand site, which means you can get different variations of the Witch Wave logo printed on t-shirts, mugs, totes, stickers, magnets, notebooks, oh my gods, the sky's the limit. And the shirts come in different styles and fabrics and colors and are available in sizes small through 5XL, so you can order whatever you'll feel you're most magical in. So head on over to witchwavepodcast.com shop. The world is filled with bewitching people, and you might be one too. Welcome to the podcast where art is magic, magic is real, and reality is stranger than dreams. I'm Pam Grossman, and this is The Witch Wave. Hello and welcome to The Witch Wave. All right, full disclosure, I am on day eight of COVID. I'm feeling much, much better than I was at the beginning of last week. So I am turning a corner and I'm feeling optimistic that finally, after weeks of various illnesses and pulling my back out, that I'm about to have a personal renaissance. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. And it is glorious timing for one, for me in particular, but I think for all of us, because it is now Aquarius season. My season, yes indeed. And that means that this is the time to truly be ourselves and get weird and embrace everything that makes us unique. But we do this not just for ego reasons, and it's really easy to misinterpret this zodiac sign as being solely self-focused. After all, Aquarius energy is considered the energy of the individual, the visionary, the oddball. But remember, Aquarians are also known for being leaders and for helping to usher the collective towards new paradigms and new ways of thinking. And I, for one, have always been attracted to people who are unapologetically themselves, but who are generous in their eccentricity. In other words, people who use their visions to make art, who break rules of oppression and injustice, and who use their individuality to change minds and hearts so that the world becomes more embracing of difference. I think that's one of the reasons I'm so attracted to people like RuPaul, Tilda Swinton, 
Bowie, Beyonce, Bjork, because they've allowed themselves to express the full multiplicity of identities and personas that I believe we all have inside us. And in doing so, they inspire me to be braver, more fantastically authentic, and more free. So this Aquarius season and beyond, I'm committing to letting myself be even witchier and weirder and wilder and less guarded about allowing people to see me in my full magical glory, in all of its forms. I want to shine brighter, shrink myself less, and shamelessly let my freak flag fly. And I want to nourish myself with more images and more stories about other people who are doing just that in their lives and creative endeavors. And that is why I am so, so, so thrilled to have today's guest, the professional wrestler and witch, Taylor Wilde on the show. Taylor is definitely following the beat of her own drum and has found that the more she shares her witchy self with the world during her matches and otherwise, the stronger she feels in all aspects of her life. I love this conversation and I can't wait for you all to hear it. But speaking of love and embracing our true selves, I just wanted to mention that I have decided to offer a love magic workshop on February 9th to celebrate my season, Aquarius season, my Valentine's Day birthday, and lots of the things that I'm talking about today. Because this workshop is not only going to be about the magical history and various techniques of doing love magic for or with a partner or partners, but also to fully magically love on thyself. Yes! Which, as far as I'm concerned, is the most potent love magic there is. This workshop will be online and it will be recorded if you can't make it live. So do sign up over at pamgrossman.com events or via the link in my bio on my Phantasmophile Instagram. It's going to be super special. So I really do hope that you'll join me. All right, with that said, Taylor Wilde will be coming up in just a few moments. But before we get to that, First, let's check and see what's come through on The Witch Wire. Who is it? Witches! M writes, I have a query about a friendship I have with someone who I've considered to be my soul sister for the past 10 years of our lives. I'll refer to her as L. Elle and I historically have connected on similarities in our spiritual outlook, especially in the foundations of our friendship. We rejected the Christian teachings from our childhoods and connected on the idea of rejecting organized, structured, religious systems. Early in our friendship, 
I was an atheist, but have since connected with my own inner magic and have developed intimate relationships with my ancestors, spirit guides, and welcome wise teachings from different religions to inspire my own relationship with spirit. In recent years, Elle has returned to her Catholic roots because for her, she has found value in the structure that Catholicism creates for her. A recent challenge came up between the two of us that I'm struggling to integrate. Historically, Elle and I have done tarot readings for insight and to inspire conversations about growth. Tarot is a large part of my spiritual practice. I use readings to inspire intuitive downloads in the form of poetry, and then I translate this poetry into artwork. When I saw Elle recently and brought up the idea of doing a tarot reading together, she said that she can no longer participate in tarot because it is not allowed in a Catholic practice. I've tried my hardest to understand her perspective, but I'll admit that I'm having a difficult time. I'm very confused about how she's deciding what rules to follow and which ones to not. She wasn't really able to provide clarity for me on this. The Bible and Catholicism are against fundamental parts of my nature if she truly wants to abide by their rigid rule system. I am in a same-sex marriage to a Jewish person who is genderqueer. I identify as a non-binary femme and have experienced long-term damage to my mental health from the internalized homophobia from Christianity's culture. Additionally, I do not understand a religion that is so rigid in its beliefs, that believes their way of living is right and others are wrong and will suffer an eternity in hell for their wrongness. We have historically always talked about our artistic processes together since we are both artists, but now I feel judged when thinking about sharing my process with her. How can she be friends with me if she wants to follow this rigid rule system? I am curious about guidance on how to navigate these differences. Hi, Em. Ooh, this is a tricky one, and it's a question for which I honestly don't have a super clear answer, because I don't think there is only one answer. But I will say this. Your final question about how can she be friends with me is actually, I think, the inverse of what you're really asking, which is more like, how can I be friends with her? given these very different spiritual beliefs, and given the fact that something we used to be able to share with each other is at least for the time being off the table. So here's what I'll say. I truly believe that everyone has the right to be themselves and to follow their own path. And right now it seems like you and Elle are on somewhat divergent paths and that's really hard. And I'm hearing that you are afraid that your friend is judging you and that you are also scared that Catholicism or at least the style of Catholicism she is practicing is condemning you and your life somehow. 
And I suppose the first place to start is to ask you if she is actually saying these judgmental things to you, or if you are projecting this onto her, and in doing so, trying to protect yourself from future rejection by anticipating the worst. So I guess what my question really is, is what is she actually doing or saying to you right now? How is she actually making you feel? versus what are you afraid she's going to say or do? Because I think she deserves to be judged on her actions and words, not on your worst fears about her. Because I'll tell you what, if you want to have a friend who fully embraces who you are, I believe she deserves the same thing. If she doesn't feel comfortable doing tarot anymore, that's her right If she's feeling called to a certain branch of spirituality that's giving her strength and comfort, that's her right. But I think the real crux of this situation is about you and your feelings about her and Catholicism at large. And I get it. You have some very understandable concerns given your own lived experiences and your partnership And it is entirely possible that this is a boundary that you have that you are not comfortable crossing. And that's entirely your right. So it sounds like you have some soul searching to do yourself right now about you and your soul sister. And you don't have to have the answer yet. I really want to emphasize that. You don't have to know. But this feels like it's about your feelings about her, and that's something you are just going to need to be honest with yourself about. And I really do not think, once again, that there's a right or a wrong answer as long as everyone is kind and respectful to each other. Because the other thing that I'll say is that just generally speaking, it's a hard truth, but sometimes people grow apart. And that is not anyone's failing or fault. If one of the main things you bonded over was tarot and magic, and now that feels like something you can't share anymore, I would ask, what can you share? What do you still like or love about your friend? How can you still grow together? And maybe the answer is, she's a really good person, but you just don't have enough in common anymore. And for the time being, you might need to drift apart. It can be as simple as that without blame or shame. But remember, life is long and you might find your way back to each other down the road. And at the very least, you can be grateful for what you have shared with one another up until this point and then wish each other well no matter where life takes each of you. She is not wrong to explore her own path. And you're not wrong to feel as if it's a path you can't walk down with her. Or perhaps you can share your concerns with her and have some great conversations about it. And that will allow you to walk beside each other for many years to come. I don't have the answer, but I do know that as long as you're each walking with love and truth, no one is walking in the wrong direction. I hope that helps, and I truly, truly hope that you'll keep me posted. Now, on to my guest. 
Chantelle Malaski is a Canadian professional wrestler with Impact Wrestling, where she performs under the ring name Taylor Wilde, otherwise known as the People's Witch. Taylor was under a World Wrestling Entertainment contract from 2006 to 2007. She then joined TNA in 2008 and would go on to become a one-time TNA Women's Knockout Champion and also the inaugural and two-time TNA Knockouts Tag Team Champion while also becoming the first wrestler to have held both titles. After departing from TNA in December 2010, Malowski announced her retirement from professional wrestling and wrestled her final match in early 2011. She then stepped away from wrestling for about a decade to become a professional firefighter. But the ring called her back, and she recently returned to wrestling with Impact Wrestling, unveiling her new, more authentic witch persona. Taylor has a podcast and a YouTube show called Wild On, and in addition to seeing her perform in Impact Wrestling, you can find her on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Taylor joined me from her home in Toronto via Zoom. Taylor Wilde, welcome to the Witch Wave. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I'm giddy to speak with you right now for so many reasons. But first, I want to get a little piece of housekeeping out of the way. So. Of course, I feel compelled to call you Taylor Wilde. That is the name under which I am familiar with you and your work. But in wrestling, as with drag, which I'm also a great fan of, and we'll get into that, but this is a persona that you are embodying and you have a civilian name. So I'd love to know how I should be addressing you when we're talking today. <laughs> <laughs> wrestling like drag, such similar worlds. I love that you grab that parallel right away. I'm more than happy for you to call me Taylor, but I always say just call me by my name because we're friends. So call me Chantel. Ah, oh, Chantel. What an <laughs> elegant name. Excuse him. Wow. Love it. Love it. Love it. So <laughs> yeah. some listeners, I think, might be delighted, but also surprised that sure. I have a wrestler on this show right now. And so I want to make sure that we're giving those listeners some basic fundamental kind of pieces of information because I think people have a lot of misconceptions about wrestling. I think people are also sometimes surprised to know that I know more about wrestling than they might think. This is entirely my husband Matt's fault. He's a diehard wrestling fan. And so just over the years, I've picked up a lot. I've watched a lot. I've gone to shows. I have favorite wrestlers. I wouldn't say I know a ton, but just so you know, Chantel, who you're talking to. So those who are listening who might have some misconceptions about wrestling, what are some things you would like for them to know? Sure. Professional wrestling is obviously sports entertainment. It's 2023. We know it's not the UFC. It mm -hmm. is a male soap opera. There is much storyline as there is fighting. We're all... <laughs> trained professionals, especially at the television level. 
So the endings are, of course, scripted. Who's going to win or lose, you know, going into the match. Those matches are built around a storyline. And what we do in the match is we tell a story and we're trying to elicit feelings from the audience, just like you do when you're playing music or you're a comedian. You draw on their energy and they're drawing on your energy. And that's basically it in a nutshell as far as the actual wrestling portion goes. But as professional wrestlers, we're this strange dichotomy in ourselves because we're kind of actors, we're kind of athletes, but we're all just this group of misfits who really don't fit in anywhere else in the world except in the world of professional wrestling. And much like drag, we are each other's chosen family. Mm. Ah, that was so perfectly summarized, can I just say. I do want to emphasize, though, even though perhaps like the outcomes or certain beats of matches are scripted, you are still doing all of these. I don't know if stunts is the right word, but you are all incredible physical performers and athletes in line with, I don't know, everybody from like a ballerina to a gymnast to Cirque du Soleil. Like, you're incredible, the things that you can do with your body, you in particular, and wrestlers in general. So talk to me a little bit about the training regime and your relationship with your physicality, if you would. Thank you very much. That's really kind for taking a moment to reflect on the fact that, okay, yes, it is a male soap opera and finishes are preconceived. But yeah, the actual sport itself takes a toll on your body. There's a lot of broken necks. There's a lot of broken backs. It's wear and tear. So getting into wrestling, we all kind of have the same humble beginnings. You start at some crappy school of hard knocks. You know, a lot of people get staph infections or they have some horrible injuries because the mats are dirty. You're in an industrial area. And it's still very much this underground counterculture sport because it's not like boxing where you see on a main street, like a boxing gym, you have to know somebody to know somebody to get into a back door of a wrestling school. And then obviously with the physical aspect, you need to be strong. So that's fully functional fitness because you're picking each other up. But at the same time, you're supporting your own body weight to protect yourself. So not only do you have to be strong enough to be able to do push-ups, walk on your hands, flip, but you probably have to be able to pick up somebody like I'm a smaller lady. I'm about 5'3", 140 pounds. A lot of the women are like 5'6", five, 5'8", five, and some of them are these incredible larger-than-life characters, and they're like 250 pounds. Like, I'm yep. not picking them up over my head, but <laughs> I also wrestle the men. So there's that aspect, but then there's also the aesthetically pleasing part of professional wrestling. And that kind of goes with your character, whether you're this huge bodybuilder type or like a functional fitness kind of like burly. So there's a few different aspects to the actual physical that is both aesthetic and functional. And then there's the actual wrestling training. So it becomes your life. You know what I mean? Mm. I was really fortunate. I had a six-year career from my late teens, early 20s. Mm -hmm. And then I became a firefighter. And the training in between didn't really change for me because I just went from lifting people in sparkly tights with smoke machines to doing the same thing in a burning building. So it was a great transition. <laughs> 
Oh, my goodness. So you're just like a motherfucking badass is basically the takeaway right now. (laughs) Got it. Got it. Well, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing human being here. So listen, you said a couple things that I want to dig a little deeper into. You called this a male soap opera. And I totally take your point that that's like the roots of it. But now I feel like wrestling has become so much more inclusive of people of all genders. And especially women's wrestling has really evolved even in my lifetime. Like I remember watching the WWE Divas division and their belt was like a freaking butterfly and they were constantly fighting over boyfriends. And it's really evolved now. Now even the WWE has the women's wrestling champion or whatever the new language is. And the belt looks just like the regular belt. So you said you started in your late teens and then got away from it and then came back to it. And we have to get into that journey. But before (laughs) we do, how has your relationship or your observations around gender evolved or your experience evolved in that time frame? Great question. So in my late teens, I was coming out what WWE quintessentially called the attitude era. And it was like the most chauvinistic time in wrestling where the storylines had DX, which were very popular. And their tagline was doing a cross against their junk and saying, suck it. Um, Yes. (laughs) Yes. I recall. (laughs) Can you imagine trying to get that character off the ground in 2023? Like... (gasps) Mm. But that was the era of bra and panties matches. A lot of the women, and there's no shade to this because sex work is work, were uh, a lot of exotic dancers mm-hmm. that were then trained to wrestle. So it was a lot of bra and panties matches, a lot of mud wrestling. These weren't women who were training like the men and then coming into wrestling. So it was a very different time. It was getting more athletic than uh, Trish Stratus came in, Victoria came in. And that's actually when I got really interested in wrestling because I looked at these women and I've had this lifelong battle with loving hair and makeup and putting on a dress, but also being really inherently masculine. For example, I'm a professional wrestler and a firefighter. So my skill set is you know, pretty historically in a man's world, but then I look a different way. So when I saw these women who were badass superheroes, but were also stunningly beautiful, I thought, well, there's my people. Like, what I want to do. And so when I first started, uh, I, I was 17 when I started training. I was hired by WWE when I had turned 20 and it was like their developmental territory. So you weren't on TV, you were in their training camp, but you were under contract. And everyone they had hired at that time basically looked like a slightly different version of Jenna Jameson. Mm-hmm. And that is what the women in wrestling looked like at that time. And looking back, you know, I was only 20. I didn't know who I was. But I know who I was supposed to be or who I thought they wanted me to be. So my character was really lost. And the actual storylines for women were so watered down and boring. It was literally just the good girl blonde versus the naughty girl brunette. And if the girls had a match that wasn't cringy, it was given five-star reviews. Like the level of expectation was barely off the ground. Mm-hmm. And then I was really fortunate and I worked really hard to be part of Total Nonstop Action, 
in 2008 where they had hired a ton of us who had been let go from WWE and a bunch of really incredible female professional wrestlers from the North American independent circuit. I'm going to break in just to define. So this is a different promotion. So for those listening, WWE, it's like the big daddy, you know, most corporate one. When I was growing up, it was called the WWF. And then there's a bunch of other promotions. There's New Japan and AEW. And so this is a promotion that you're talking about now, right? TNA, which stood at the time for total nonstop action. Yeah. Okay. Nailed it. Okay. And that was the only competitor company at the time to WWE. Now Mm. there's so many and competition is amazing, but we can talk about that later. Mm. And this was the first time that women's wrestling was given more than like four minutes on TV. We were given multiple matches on a show. We were given main event spots. We were given headlining storylines. And it was an incredible time, a time that really, really pushed women's wrestling outside of what was comfortable for everyone. And I feel honored, like I'm in the spiritual chills, that I was part of that at that time. Yes. But, uh, you know, then I took a 10-year break. And being back now, one of the reasons I wanted to come back is just as you said it, women's wrestling, both how they look as characters, how they act, their wrestling ability is so diverse and so vast. And it is so incredible. Even in just the past five years, like it's not about gender. There's not intergender wrestling anymore. Even there's just wrestling. It's such an exciting time to be a part of the sport. So awesome. So let's get to the reason that you and I are here, which is this is your big comeback and your wrestling persona is this witch character. You call yourself the people's witch. You call yourself the wild witch. I'm looking at you right now on screen. You have a broom behind you, a pentacle behind you. I am so happy. I'd love to hear about this witch persona, and then we'll get a little deeper into all of your practice. Love it. Okay, so this is the first time my character's changed in my entire career. I've always been this squeaky clean, all-American Canadian. Very confusing. Um, (laughs) Love it. They call it, you know, a baby face. I'm the good girl guy. I've been through a lot of different life experiences. I've done a lot of healing, but I've always been into witchcraft, the occult, counterculture, punk rock. Like, it's part of who I am. And I've been on this journey with it since I was roughly about 12 years old. But the best wrestling characters are always the ones that are aligned with who you are and authentic and just turned up to a thousand. So I have come back at almost 37 years old and I am living my truth. Yes. (laughs) Having the best time being the people's witch, the wild witch. I love it so much. It's really funny because Matt, my husband, often talks about how there's this phrase in wrestling that the best personas are someone's actual personality turned up to 11, but you're turning up to 1,000, so all the better. I love it so, so much. And I was just watching one of your recent matches. It was against a wrestler named Masha Slamovich, which I'm sorry, is like the best fucking name ever. What? I need a t-shirt of hers in addition to a t-shirt of yours, just because like that's (laughs) hilarious and so funny. 
But like when you came into the ring, you have a beautiful like crescent moon behind you that looks derived kind of from like the Lilith symbol or some kind of witchcraft imagery. What else do you want people to know visually about your character? For me, when I designed that whole headdress, big taffeta skirt, the like sexy sheer bodice leather, like hot pants and the the lace up boots. To me, that was embracing how I visualized my dark feminine energy. And so (laughs) it's literally me stepping into the ring as, you know, my version of my dark feminine. And I can't even like figure out the words. It's like if you could visualize how you would be if your dark feminine energy was a character. Yes, yes. (laughs) Honestly, a lot of my favorite performers from like David Bowie to Bjork, People who dress up in these elaborate, ornate costumes that feel, I guess, turned up to 11, we'll say it again, but also feel like really authentic. It feels like this just extreme, brave, most vibrant expression of one's inner self. That is what I'm most attracted to. So I am living for what you're doing right now. Oh, thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. Well, that's kind of been the biggest change just on a side note is I always felt like I was being really disingenuous with my baby face persona, but it's what I had to do at that time in wrestling. And it's hard for the fans to see a change in characters, but wrestling characters change all the time. Mm -hmm. However, the response and the receptiveness to this change has just been so incredibly positive. You're always going to get haters. Love me or hate me. You're still watching me, so whatever. Yes. Like you said, you you literally feel that when someone's being authentic and they're aligned. And I'm so happy. That's all I can say. Ah, I love it. I love it. On that note, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Do these cold, dark winter days have you feeling a bit less magical? Well, there are tools to help keep your inner flame warm and glowing. Of course, I am talking about Mithras candles. These pure beeswax lights are inspired by the modern science of photobiology, along with ancient pagan practices and cosmic mysteries. Mithras candles are handmade by my mythic and scientific pals in Philadelphia and come in traditional golden yellow and sensual black hues with unique colors and collaborations popping up seasonally. You will be addicted like I am once you experience the gorgeous, Byzantine hand-dripped style of a Mithras candle and their honeyed floral aroma. So go to MithrasCandle.com now and pick up the perfect candle for your midwinter moments. And Witchwave listeners get 18% off their first order by using offer code WITCH at checkout. That's offer code WITCH at Mithras Candle. That's M as in magic, I-T-H-R-A-S candle.com. The Witch Wave is sponsored by BetterHelp. When do you feel like your best self? 
I know I do when I've taken care of my physical needs through things like sleep and eating well, and my spiritual needs through making magic and connecting with kindred witchy souls like you. And I also feel like my best self when I'm addressing my emotional needs, and a huge part of taking care of those has come to me through therapy. I've been in therapy for the majority of my adult life, and it has allowed me to address the feelings and circumstances that sometimes bog me down, overwhelm me, and keep me from being that best version of myself. I've found that when I'm addressing my emotions with the help of a great therapist, I'm able to better live my purpose, be more empowered, and ride the waves of change that inevitably come for all of us. Therapy has helped me develop coping skills for stress and anxiety, thereby helping me be able to do what I came here to do and be the fully actualized witch and human that I'm meant to be. Now let's be clear, I'm still very much a work in progress and always will be, but I truly don't think that I would have the courage to be writing my books or doing this podcast or teaching workshops or what have you without having had a lot of therapy to support me and help me work through my own emotional struggles. I truly, truly wish that Everybody could go to therapy because I believe that it can benefit all people if they are open to it. And you don't just have to have some heart-wrenching drama or trauma that you're facing down. You can also go just because you need a neutral, safe space where you can be heard and focus on your own needs and feelings. If you're at all curious about therapy, BetterHelp is a great option because it is more convenient and more accessible than a lot of other offerings out there. It's affordable and it's entirely online, so you can communicate with your BetterHelp therapist from virtually anywhere. All you have to do to get started is fill out a brief questionnaire online to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge because BetterHelp wants you to find the right match. So if you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Go on and visit BetterHelp.com slash WitchWave today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash WitchWave. Take care of yourself and live the life you're meant to. Welcome back to the WitchWave. Today I'm speaking with Taylor Wilde, otherwise known as Chantel. Chantel, it is so exciting to witness your rebirth and just to get some other wrestling terms down here for the novice. So you were referring to yourself as a baby face, which is how wrestlers have traditionally been referred to when they're like the good guys or the good gals. And then the villain characters have traditionally been known as a heel. So do you see Taylor Wilde as a heel now? Are you still kind of navigating that? So it's interesting. When I first started really planning for this character, it was like a drastic change. Like it was going to be this heel, witch, demonic kind of persona. But then that didn't really feel completely authentic. Mm -hmm. So instead, I've met this middle ground where I'm what they would call a tweener, where you're kind of encompassing 
both, which is quite funny because my whole life, my being is about being this dichotomy where you're kind of good and bad yes. at all times. And there's quite a few women that are doing the witch thing right now in wrestling, which is beautiful because mm -hmm. there's nothing more powerful than a single female witch than a coven. Mm -hmm. So we, we support this. We love this. But for me, it's about just being the more woke version of myself and embracing my femininity, embracing my masculinity, the light with the dark, just all the walking dichotomies. Yes. Yes. But don't push me because that's when I can get real wild. <laughs> well, and I think that's pretty true of the witch archetype in general. Like other people would think they were villains, but more often than not, a witch was not a villain. But if you crossed her, Think about the fairy tales. If you steal a vegetable out of her garden, yeah, she is going to lock you in a tower. But don't cross her. Respect her. Right. And then everybody will get along just fine. So <laughs> I, I want to talk about, you know, your own journey with wrestling. You said that you stepped away for a little bit. You became a firefighter. Just walk us through, like, the beats of your journey, if you will, because it's fascinating. So when I started wrestling at 18... My parents were very supportive, birthed the baby daughter and really tried to push for the ballet, the gymnastics and the poofy skirts. And the harder they pushed, the more they got me. <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. And this is in Canada? Toronto. Yep. Canada. OK, great. So when I started my journey, I kept giving myself these benchmarks and they weren't constraints as much as I needed to shoot for things. I needed to keep myself really grounded. I said, you know, I'll give myself two years to try to make it big somewhere. And I did. But then I promised myself if I wasn't really fulfilled and I wasn't making enough money by the time I was 25, I was going to retire and do something more fulfilling, mm -hmm. which was crazy because arguably at 25, people are just hitting their stress. <laughs> I mean, I was going to say, but I love the idea of a 25 year old retiree, if only. So that is exactly what I did. I walked away at 25, but I had also been on the road full time since I was 18. Mm -hmm. And I loved every minute of it. I traveled the world. I got to perform as my career. I was with my chosen family all the time. I always remained in Toronto. So I had deep roots with my family and my friends here. And I got to do a lot as far as women's wrestling went. But I also reached a point where I was thinking to myself, not only am I burnt out, I feel like a nomad. I have this huge gap in my resume work history because my qualifications are pretty niche. Uh, <laughs> yes. Fair, fair. And there wasn't anything more I could do with women's wrestling at that time. I, I had done it. So I wasn't going back to WWE. I'd already kind of been there, done that. And I was burnt out of that at that time as well. It, it doesn't take long. That's a whole other podcast yeah. episode. I mean, talking about the <laughs> WWE in general, we'll just put that on the back burner. Yeah. And when I was working for TNA and WWE, the two most incredible things I got to do was work with Make-A-Wish Foundation. It really spoke to me, the ability to give back and to be in like a frontline first responder role. And when I was 16 years old, I told my parents I was going to join the military. Like I've always been really attracted to paramilitary. It's insane because I'm so much a creative, but I've been a closeted creative my whole life hmm. being in my masculine that, you know, it was wrestling and then firefighting just spoke to me. I looked at all the first response options, police, fire, paramedic. I won't even go into all the details why I didn't choose the other, but 
Fire just seemed like the most aligned version of who I was to my former career as a wrestler. I've always been 20 to 1 in historically male-dominated field. I have a thick skin. I can banter and chirp with the best of the boys. And I'm an adrenaline junkie. You know, there's something to be said when everyone is running out of a burning building screaming and I want to be the one to get in there. Yep. <laughs> and it's hard especially when I started, I've been a firefighter for nine years now. Um, the fire department is roughly 40 years behind every HR company as far as all the isms go, sexism, yeah. racism, you know, you could imagine. Sure, sure. So I had a challenging time, but it was really incredible that my career as a professional wrestler, which I thought in a way would hinder me because you can Google me and see me half naked on TV. It actually took the sexual tension, I think, to a degree out of the room because who I am. I walked in and I was like, you know what? I know this is weird for all of you. I know I have boobs. This is challenging for all of you at this table. Just <laughs> stick it in Google. We'll be fine moving along. And it was actually my wrestling career that allowed me to bridge over and build relationships with the guys. Like they actually just called me the wrestler for the first three years of my career because a lot of guys grew up watching it. Totally. And whatever, like we already established, you're a fucking badass. And so I'm sure they also had a lot of respect for you because you could do the physicality that I'm sure, you know, is demanded of being a firefighter. And they didn't have to second guess that or doubt, you know, your strength or anything, too. Absolutely. that That is a big part of it. Anything I do, I'm going to give my 110%. It's just the kind of job that you really have to earn your stripes. You're never going to walk in the door, male or female, and everyone's going to like you. And it's because, you know, every day we go to work, you might not come home to your family. We're all responsible for each other's lives. So you really have to earn that trust and respect. Mm. I've been with the same crew for four and a half years, almost five years now. And my show, Impact Wrestling, is going to be in Toronto at the end of April. And I know my entire division will be there in body paint and signs and like yes. they are my biggest fans now so it's really come full circle oh that is so beautiful and i have to ask is there any aspect of firefighting that has you call on your witchcraft because I, I mean i think of fire as so witchy it's obviously an element is there a connection there for you at all it's funny Every state is different, and of course, every country. But in Toronto, firefighters are trained to the level of paramedicine that you would be able to be a paramedic anywhere outside of the province of Ontario. Wow. So what I tap into my witch energy for is actually when I deal with the deceased or those who are currently dying in my care. It's such a part of my journey, you know, really experiencing the death process mm. firsthand. It's just... You can literally feel the energy change in the room. You feel the energy leave that person. And witchcraft has helped me deal with the amount of death and trauma that I have to see on a regular basis because I have my rituals. I have my own personal rituals when it comes to dealing with the deceased at work. We work 24-hour shifts. Mm. So, you know, we could see something really horrific three times in a shift and we all just have to like get on the truck and take our lumps and continue on with our shift. But I always come home and I sage and I light a few candles. I'll choose a few crystals that I'll lay out and then I will give myself a few moments to think about the people that I lost on that shift. 
I have a good cry, usually in the shower like a normal adult. Then I lock it up in a box and I put it in this chamber in the back of my brain. I can access those memories whenever I want to, but it's really, really learning about, you know, the death and rebirth process Mm. and literally how powerful energy is. There's nothing like it. You know, when you're literally holding someone and they leave this world, their energy leaves this world. You know, it's just a human meat suit, as we call it sometimes. And it's just, it's a really grounding job. Mm. Yeah, it's not actually the fires. The fires are so much about adrenaline and just like rushing and getting in there. But the witchcraft really taps into the medical part of my job. Yeah, I would think if you're a trained paramedic or trained at that same level that you also have healing magic that you're bringing to certain circumstances too. Let's assume not everyone is dying. I mean, <laughs> right, am I correct? A hundred percent. Just establish. Sorry. You had to bring the mood up like the teeniest bit. I'm so sorry. But for real though, that aspect of it, I think is so much part of the witch archetype too. Yes. The death, but also the healing, right? No, a hundred percent. Because a lot of us come into witchcraft from trauma, our mm-hmm. own traumas. You don't usually get into the line of being a first responder unless you've lived some life. You know, when you deal with people, whether it's anxiety or depression or attempted suicide, you try to bring it up and I just keep bringing it back down. But it's okay. I am a witch. So shadow and light, my friend. <laughs> you just have so much empathy and sympathy and non-judgment. It's like, you know, I got you, girl, or I got you, sir. I feel you. I talk to a lot of my clients about spirituality and what helps me out because a lot of people are really spiritual. It's just they have their own belief systems. And it's incredible what people will share because if you're calling 911, it's probably the worst day of your life. Yeah. So people say a lot of things out of shock. It is really incredible what people will share. And I am really thankful. And it's definitely what's gotten me down really deeply in the world as a healer for both my own health and the health of others on a spiritual level. I can only imagine that if you were the person who turned up, if I had a fire, like how psyched, well, maybe psyched. (laughs) Let's not overstate it. I'd probably not be in the best mood because there's a fucking fire. Yeah, but, right. But my backwards way of complimenting you is to say that I'd be so happy it was you who turned up, who could hold that presence and be in the shadow with me and the oh. flames. I feel like they're really fortunate not to have fires, but to yeah. cross paths with you to help them through it. Yeah, well, I'm always the person when there is a blazing inferno, you know, the owners are just sitting there watching it. I'll be the first one to be like, girl, that's what insurance is for. Don't worry. <laughs> Exactly. But everyone, look, look, everyone's safe. Let's talk about the positives. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So firefighter, you're living this part of your story, but something called you back to wrestling. What happened, Chantel? Ooh, all the things. So I have been married twice because I'm an overachiever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so my second marriage was failing horribly. I was married to a narcissist. I think that's fair to say. I'm comfortable in my career as a firefighter. We work this incredible shift. We work seven to eight days a month, 24-hour shifts. So a lot of us do part-time jobs or we have creative endeavors. 
And I'd been fortunate enough that a major wrestling company called me every few years over the past 10 years of being retired and was like, stop playing civilian, come back to wrestling. And it was like, no, I'm not ready. I don't want to do it. Don't make me. And then COVID happened. Yep. Heard of it. Little, little blip. Yeah. And as a lot of us do, like I'm a major extroverted introvert. And I thought to myself, I miss wrestling. I have always kept in touch with all my girlfriends and all my friends in general. I've been watching their careers and I'm so happy and supportive. And I had no inkling to go back to wrestling. But during COVID, I thought, well, I've got all this extra time. There's nothing else to do. I'd really like to start a podcast specifically to focus on all my wonderful sisters who are professional wrestlers. But what you don't typically get when you stick a female professional wrestler's name into Google on the Wikipedia is anything other than their height, weight, city they were born in, and a few boring statistics about their wrestling career. But I know these women as entrepreneurs, as mothers, as musicians, as academics. And this information was typically not overly accessible. Mm -hmm. So I started my podcast, Wild On, to bring focus to this. And the more I talked to women and the more I was looking at how diverse and how talented this pool of professional wrestlers had become, I just thought, I got to go back. <laughs> yes. I got to get back to wrestling. And luckily, I've had a very blessed career and I've always worked really hard and I never burnt any bridges. So I reached out to the company I wanted to go back to and that was Impact Wrestling, which was formally TNA. And I have a beautiful four-year-old son. He's at the age where he's old enough that, you know, it's quite all right if he spends the odd weekend with grandma. He's self-sufficient. And he's also old enough to be able to watch mummy on TV and get a laugh out of it. You know, yes. he doesn't give a shit about wrestling. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> of course. <laughs> That's fair. Um, That's fair. Basically, everything in my life with COVID was spiraling out of control. I should, though, tell you a little quick story about another piece of why I got back into wrestling. Please follow those instincts, my friend. It's really relevant to the podcast and witchcraft and how I really, really got back into my witchy self. Ooh. Uh, I was in developmental WWE with my girlfriend, Chrissy Vane. And when she left wrestling, she went on a 10-year spiritual awakening journey working with shamans. She's from North Carolina. She grew up in an area where she could literally dig quartz up in her mm -hmm. backyard. Like she mm -hmm. comes from this magical place. And she works a lot with angels. And she called me about four years ago. And she said, Chantel, you're going to think I'm crazy. She wasn't really out there with her witchiness. But she was like, my angels won't leave me alone. They keep telling me you are not aligned. You're not living your authentic life. You're not done with professional wrestling. The you being you, Chantel. Yes. Okay. Yes. So the angels are talking to her about you. Yes. Gossiping, if you will. Gossiping. <laughs> and apparently they were absolutely relentless. And her and I had only touched base like once a year. We weren't talking all the time. But yeah, she said her angels were relentlessly bugging her that I was not living my most aligned, authentic life. Mm. I said to her, you know, I, there's no way. I was pregnant at the time. I was married. I was six years into my firefighting career. And I just thought, no, it's not going to happen. And she said, okay, fine, whatever. But it probably 
got the ball rolling a little bit, but it still took four years for me to get to where I am now. But I literally could not conceive the idea of going yes. back to professional wrestling. And at my last set of tapings at Impact, she was there with her four-year-old boy and another guy that we were in developmental with, who is now her husband. And I got to bring my son on the road with me. And she's still very much a practicing witch. And here we are four years later from that, both on TV with our four-year-old boys being witches. <laughs> it was just like the best experience And professional ever. wrestlers, come on. I mean... Uh, this is magic, my friend. The universe is so incredible. If you just stop and listen to the signs and find your people, it's, uh, I just have so much gratitude. And I feel so blessed. Uh, I am just like levitating off my chair. This story is so good. I'm going to have to take a break. On that note, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. The Pretty Cult is an apparel brand with a love of tarot, the occult, and of course, all things rock and roll that are all put into every piece created. The Pretty Cult creates clothing, homewares, and accessories for everything from a weekend out to your favorite rock festival to pieces that can be worn to your next coven meeting. All items are sewn, screen-printed, and handmade in the House of Cult in Los Angeles, California, which is a woman-owned and operated shop. And as a wonderful bonus, you can take 15% off your first Pretty Cult order with code WITCHWAVE. So check them out now at www.theprettycult.com. Dot com and on Instagram and TikTok at The Pretty Cult. Black Phoenix Alchemy Lab is a specialty fragrance house currently celebrating its 20th year, now based in Philadelphia. Black Phoenix Alchemy Lab specializes in formulating body and household blends with a dark, romantic, gothic tone. And over the years, they've collaborated with so many of my heroes, including Neil Gaiman, Guillermo del Toro, and the Jim Henson Company. They continually return to inspirations drawn from history, mythology, literature, pop culture, and fine art. And they have a sister store called Twilight Alchemy Lab that creates oils blended and consecrated specifically for use in witchcraft and ritual magic. Keep up with their latest seasonal perfume releases by looking them up on social media. And Black Phoenix Alchemy Lab also now has a YouTube channel where they share scent reviews, announcements, and original video art. Perfume archives and customer reviews going back many years can be found at the fan-run bpal.org web forum. And of course, you can order all of Black Phoenix Alchemy Lab's decadent perfumes, oils, and more at blackphoenixalchemylab.com. Welcome back to The Witch Wave. Today, I'm speaking with Chantel Malofsky, otherwise known as Taylor Wild. So, Chantel, I would love to hear a little bit more about how you even were attracted to the archetype of the witch or the practice of witchcraft in the first place. How has this evolved for you? 
it actually started when I was probably 11 or 12 years old, specifically with the witch, witchcraft. I bought my first Oracle deck when I was 12 with birthday money, and it was a fairy Oracle deck. And I was so attracted to fairies as a preteen. Mm. And I would say prior to 12, I had a lot of paranormal, supernatural experiences. I'd always been really sensitive to energies in people's homes. It was a weird thing to do as a kid. So it was dampened down quite quickly Mm -hmm. (laughs) by my parents. But per se, I would go to a friend's house after school. I could literally feel the temperature change room to room or I could feel if somebody had died in that house or if there was a burial ground. And, you know, if I would ask the parents or I would do a little digging, I was like 98% of the time correct. I saw a lot of what one would call like spirits or ghosts as a kid. Tell my parents about it. You know, just now you're seeing things. There's no such things as ghosts. And it probably wasn't until my teenage years when, you know, I was really into grunge and metal and the craft came out and it was these teenage badass grunge girls that were practicing witchcraft. And it was this awakening moment that I thought, oh, like, it's not just me. I'm not just the only weird one because none of my friends were in that world. None of my friends were interested in buying tarot cards or playing with Ouija boards. Yeah. So that's definitely when I really got into tarot originally. And I did a lot of reading about goddesses. But then naturally, as you get older and you find boys in university and you try to be normal. I let witchcraft go. It was something I almost like hid again, being out of alignment, being disingenuous, not really knowing who I was. And it wasn't until my second divorce, which would have been only three years ago when it all came crashing down, Mm. that I really, really embraced the fact that I am a witch. I am sensitive. A lot of parts of my personality that were criticized growing up being angry and being reactive and being hypersensitive to people's words and their energies. And it was more about what they wouldn't say that would affect me and keep me up at night Mm. and really getting into daily practices, especially when it came to grounding. It was just, you know, the more I fell apart, the more I really, really thank my practice for propping me up. I threw myself deep into it. And it was just every aspect of witchcraft, be it reading books, studying, spell work, manifestation, the power of spoken word, just all of it. And I can't read enough books and I you know, can't stop talking about it, but it's more what I feel inside about being a sensitive and being intuitive that has really changed for me and just not caring what other people think. Yes. And in my journey, I work with a bunch of different tarot readers who have become my best friends because you just find your people along the way. In the past two years with my social media presence, one thing they kept saying was, okay, what you're doing, you're talking about being a witch and talking about, you know, being a spiritual person. It's good, but more, 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 like keep going because you know, I'm sure yourself, it's really hard to out yourself. (laughs) It really is. 
Yep, they call it coming out of the broom closet for a reason. It's definitely, I mean, everybody's journey is really different, but society for sure. I mean, it's gotten a little bit better in some contexts. I like to remind people there's still lots of regions, families, organizations, countries where calling oneself a witch is not a safe thing to do. And even if we're not talking about literal safety, just social safety, like it's a vulnerable thing to call yourself a witch if you still want to be taken seriously, right? Sure. And the other thing is like my science side of my brain, the medical side of my brain resisted, I think, this so much because when I started as a firefighter, I promised myself I would do as much mental good for myself as I do physical. So I did 10 years of conventional talk therapy and I have a long line of alcoholism, depression and anxiety in my family. I take part in all of it or have done in the past. Mm -hmm. And I really think I'm that person. I've been that unruly person, the person that says the things that you're not supposed to because I'm that chosen person in my family to stop this generational trauma Mm. because I think the alcoholism is really just the mask, the self-medicating for the depression and the anxiety. And my half of my heritage is Polish. And my aunt is actually a practicing witch. She just doesn't call it that. Yeah. She's a Reiki master. She does Tai Chi every day. She's a very, very spiritual woman, but she's in her early 60s and her mom came from Nazi torn Poland. So this isn't something we talked about, but I know a hundred percent without doing any time travel, any quantum leaps that I come from a long line of Slavic witches. There's Mm -hmm. no bones about it. And it's funny, just naturally on my journey and becoming more spiritual and more in touch with who I am as a witch, I've gotten sober. Not that I necessarily was what you would refer to as an alcoholic. I was a high functioning alcoholic. Got it. Just your two or three glasses of wine every day. But it was just another form of medicating, right? Numbing out. Mm -hmm. I've become so much more in tuned with my powers, for lack of a better term, my intuition, who I am as a person, this wonderful balance between self-healing and why I've been attracting certain types of people into my life, like the narcissist or the codependent relationship. Mm -hmm. I'd been finding different things to numb myself out, be it alcohol, be it men, be it work. I'm excellent being a workaholic. And people tend to leave you alone when you're like, oh, look how much she does. She's amazing. She doesn't have a drinking problem Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. her marriages don't fail because there's a problem with her. Look how productive she is. That's how our society functions. Right. But it wasn't the 10 years of talk therapy that brought me to this point. That definitely had a part in my healing journey. But it was when I really started doing Reiki and energy work and talking to tarot readers and talking to psychics. And I really, really started to heal and become happy. It's it's incredible. So I really feel like witchcraft and wrestling saved my life. Ah. My <laughs> heart is gonna explode. This is so, so powerful. I want to ask you, what other dreams do you want to manifest for yourself? Let's just focus on wrestling. Like, do you have a certain match you really want to fight? Do you have a belt you want? Do you have a certain platform you want to be part of, a country you want to travel to? Like, what are some of the dreams that you'd like to speak into existence? 
So one thing that's lacking in professional wrestling is a female presence on the creative side, the backstage stuff. And that's because there's always been much fewer female professional wrestlers to the men. So a lot of times what happens is when men retire from the sport, they become agents, producers, writers. There just simply hasn't been enough females to retire out of the sport because retirement for women used to be at about 30. Mm -hmm. Now we're seeing women who are continuing their careers after marriage, after children, well into their 40s. And now we have a handful of women that are producers and agents, but we don't have any female writers that were female professional wrestlers. And what better person to write the creative storylines for female professional wrestlers as someone who's lived the life? Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love that. So you're more thinking the long game. You're thinking what's even coming after you want to keep performing. Or in tandem, ooh, it's not like I have to finish A to get to B. I got to finish B to get to C. Like the more I do, the more I can do. And I don't mean that as a trauma response. I just mean like <laughs> yeah. I am at my most creative when I'm in things and I've got my hands going in a bunch of different cookie jars. So I am manifesting that, you know, I just kind of got back in October to the ring I've got some things I want to accomplish in the ring. I'm growing this new character, but I've been fortunate enough that I have written my own entrance music. <gasps> I designed all my wrestling gear, all the banners, all the witchy archetypes and symbolisms you see. Those are all my designs. I designed my t-shirt. I have helped to write a lot of the storylines, especially my return into wrestling. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be like a continuation of that. I want to get myself reintegrated being back on the road and then see where that, you know, kind of takes me. And my podcast, Wild On, which is also a YouTube channel, it's been morphing into this podcast that started as wrestling, but now it's wrestling in witchcraft. And I just started doing my own tarot reads. And I just did my second episode today with a good wrestling friend. And I did a live tarot read with him, which was terrifying. <laughs> but so I really feel like there's so much I want to do still with wrestling and with witchcraft. I have so many manifestations. Writing is a big part of it, getting more creatively involved, but also really being out with my witchiness. So like when you added me on Instagram, I was just like, oh my God, my manifestations are coming true. This is incredible. It's happening. Okay. Incredible, incredible. I was so happy when you started following me too. So we're mutual fans of one another. Well, listen, we're coming up on time. I can certainly speak for myself, but I know I'm speaking for others when I say I would love to watch you wrestle. How can we do that, whether in person or remotely? How can we see you as the wild witch, Taylor Wilde? Well, Impact Wrestling is on every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Access Television. It is also live and available on YouTube. It's a very small fee to be a member on YouTube to watch it live because a lot of people don't have cable anymore. Mm -hmm. Everyone just watches on their smart TV. And there is also the Impact Wrestling app, which not only has all the live events, pay-per-views, but it also has a huge catalog of all the history of Impact and TNA from its heyday and its start. 
If you want to know more about me, Taylor Wilde, Chantal Miloski, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Real Taylor Wilde. That's Wilde with an E, like Oscar Wilde. Hmm. I am also on TikTok. And like I said, I have my own podcast and YouTube channel called Wild On, available on every major podcast platform and YouTube. Oh. So please subscribe. <laughs> oh, fabulously done. And Thank you. Is it possible to see you live? Is Impact Wrestling a show that people can get tickets to, or is it more like a studio audience situation? No, it's both. So our events are pre-taped, but we do run it in front of a live studio audience. Same with our pay-per-views. So this weekend, I'm in Atlanta. Next weekend, I'll be in Orlando. And where are you? I'm in Brooklyn, New York, but hey, I travel... We were just in Albany back in October. So if you go to the impact.com website, all the events are posted there. Now that I know you and your partner, more your partner, but you are very well versed in wrestling. Oh, thank you. Yes. When we come to New York, I will hook you up. Ah, dreams are coming <laughs> true. I'm so excited. Well, listen, this has been an absolute joy. You are so fierce and so powerful and so inspiring. You gave me just a big jolt of the good kind of fire. So thank you so much, Chantel, for being here on The Witch Wave and best of luck in all of your endeavors. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure and an honor. That's it for the show. Thank you again to Taylor Wilde for igniting my soul with her inner fire. Do you have questions, feedback, need some witchly advice, or just want to share something magical that happened to you recently? Drop us an email at witchwavepodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, and you just might make it on the witch wire. The Witch Wave is a phantasmophile production written and produced by me, Pam Grossman. This episode was recorded and edited by Josh Wilcox and myself. Our theme music is the song Hand and Eye by Lycanthia. Our new Witch Wave logo was designed by Thunderwing. Special thanks go to Matt Freeman, Lara Amtal, and Cece Pascal. You can check out information about this and other episodes on our website and now buy Witchwave merch at witchwavepodcast.com. Please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and give us lots and lots of sparkly stars. It really, truly makes a difference and helps other people find the show. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at WitchwavePod, and you can check out my witch emoji for iPhone by going to witchemoji.com or downloading it in the App Store. Please consider ordering my book, Witchcraft, and or picking up my book, Waking the Witch, which are both available everywhere now. And if you want more Witchwave or you would just like to support the show, please join us over on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash witchwave. Thank you so much for listening. Witches are the future. I'll catch you next time on The Witch Wave.